Welcome, everybody. We are here in studio today at Finger Lakes One TV uh, with our amazing owner, Jim Sinecropi, and our incredible guest today, which I'll introduce in just a moment. But for those of you who don't know me, I'm Melissa Killily, your host of The Melissa Killily Show. And uh, if you haven't watched this podcast before, I love to bring to you some of the great, inspiring news going on in the Finger Lakes um, and beyond, and to share some of the incredible work being done in this world when we are in a, a time and an age where you turn on the news and what you hear is typically a whole lot of doom and gloom. So instead, I want to bring things to you that are inspiring and uplifting and you know show signs of hope for where the future is headed. Today, we are with Gary Mann, who is the regional program manager for the rescue mission, and he's currently working in Auburn, New York, so we're going to hear from him. Um, in the meantime, for those of you who don't know me, if you want to go back and check out some of the episodes, you can go to Finger Lakes One TV, you can check us out on YouTube, find us on Spotify and iTunes. But I am a local, what I love to call mompreneur, who is balancing the busyness of being mom and building a business from my phone. Uh, and the last episode we did, I shared a little bit more about that business. So if you want to check that out, you can do that because that's what gives me the freedom and the ability to do this. I'm so grateful for this studio space. Jim, you have such an incredible thing going on here. And Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I met Gary. Um, actually, we didn't meet officially, but uh, I was introduced to him at a local Zonta Club of Skinny Atlas meeting last week where he came in to do a presentation to share what the rescue mission has to offer. So Gary, would you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the rescue mission? Sure. Um, so I have been with the rescue mission a little under eight years in five different roles, but it seems like this one's going to stick. Let's hope. Love it. <laughs> um, uh, Rescue Mission of Central New York has been here for about 130 years. Um, 1887 is when we started in this area. And um, so Auburn is a little newer than that. Mm -hmm. So we started in 2011. Um, and back then, we opened four transitional units um, that we just leased from the housing authority and just tried to get our, our footing in here. Uh, Rescue Mission tries to, tries to not go anywhere that we're not needed. We mm -hmm. want to go somewhere that needs us. Okay. So we needed to really get the pulse of what Cayuga County and Auburn needed. So we started small, started with those four units. Uh, went up to eight units from there of transitional housing, and then we dabbled in permanent supportive housing. Mm -hmm. um, but then when we saw the need was way greater than us, you know, you know, piecing together unit after unit, um, that's when we put together the program that we now run, mm -hmm. um, which we call Merriman Circle. I don't mm -hmm. know if that's an official name, but that's what we tell everybody. I like uh, it too. It has a positive name. Yeah, and there's, I mean, it's a super positive vibe there, so it's 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 fitting. Um, so now, what we do in Auburn, anyway, is we have a 28 unit neighborhood, um, and we did this style way different. Um, we we had, you know, kind of the luxury of setting things up differently. Mm -hmm. um, for better or worse, a lot of shelters are like the typical kind of what you see on TV, not as extreme as what TV says, but right. the more warehouse style, you know, mm -hmm. bed, 
locker, bad locker, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so we didn't have to do that. Um, we knew that the need was for families. There's not a, a formalized shelter in Cayuga County for families. Mm-hmm. So to build this and to you know start things off preserving integrity, mm-hmm. um, we got to do it unit-based, actual apartment-based. Mm-hmm. So even though um, eight of the units are transitional housing, which means you can stay there for up to 90 days. You have so to be... Yeah, you have to be homeless, but you you have that long, and um, you have a transitional case manager that helps you get to that next step, whatever it may be coming into one of our permanent units or somewhere in the community. But you have those 90 days to figure out what's the best for your family and work towards that. Um, But do it in an apartment. Right. Like. Right. Let's Which start is a whole entirely different feel to it. Exactly. Right. Walking into a place that you can visualize something and, and kind of get back to that. And actually call it home. Right. Yeah. Right. And then the permanent units, you still have to have that homeless status to get into those um, units. Mm-hmm. But that's a year lease just like anywhere else. And that program is designed with a completely different kind of caseworker. Um, that caseworker is to work on the long-term goals that aren't really reasonable when you're in transitional housing. Like mm-hmm. if you have to think about food and you have to right. think about where you're going to sleep and where you're going next, then you're not going to think about college. You're not going to think about jobs or, right. or the next step in your job if you're working. Um, so being in the permanent supportive atmosphere, all of those things are possible. You have the time. Right. You can say there, we're going to be there for a minimum of 25 years, probably forever. And we have that whole time. If a family's there with us until the very end, it's because they needed us and we needed them. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're supporting people in this region um, and helping people in this region who find themselves homeless. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about this a little bit more because uh, we had a great conversation about this the other day uh, and just kind of like waded into those waters, but didn't get to chat for too long. But, you know, can you talk a little bit about what the face of homelessness looks like in our region? Because I think for a lot of people, there's so many misconceptions, which sure. is why it makes it so hard to address sure. in this region. Sure. So the general view, and I can't say this for everyone, but you know, what we will commonly get is that homelessness is just addiction. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes people will bring up mental health. I'm actually proud of people who actually do that instead of just think it's people who don't want to work or, right. you know, um, the typical kind of panhandler on the, right. on the corner sort of homelessness. And I think that's why this region struggled for a long time and in some ways still does. But at least there there are there's no way I would have, you know, not me, but Rescue Mission could have opened the neighborhood that we did without people backing us. So mm-hmm. I, we're finally there making some sort of headway. But it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be addiction. It doesn't have to be someone who doesn't want to work. It's everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's somebody literally overnight could, that right. could happen to them. As an individual, as a family, anything could happen. Right. Um, if you have a family of five, one person is working and one person is, you know, on disability or something and they lose their job then that's it. Yeah. Like it can happen that fast. Yeah. So, and plus if you go into the mental health realm, mental health doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care your economic status or your background. It does not care. Absolutely. So there's no discrimination there. Exactly. So that can, that can hit at any time. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot of different factors. I mean, everywhere, but ours, ours is that it's a little more sort of hidden hopefully it stops being that yeah um because it's everywhere 
it just looks more like doubling up in houses. Right. You know, couch surfing. and For sure. Yeah. And that's hard for service providers because we kind of can't count that. And right. how do you go look for that? Right. So there's a lot of different things. We we work really closely with the uh, McKinney-Vento liaisons in the schools mm-hmm. because they're going to hear about things more from their social workers than we could ever do. We right. can't go just interview everybody everywhere, Justin, you know? Right. So... So you got to get kind of creative here until the the community itself trusts that they can go to you for help because historically that hasn't been there. Where where did you go? Before we opened and before Chapel House opened, Chapel House is still pretty new. Mm -hmm. And for, I mean, Auburn anyways, how old is Auburn? Like, yeah. (laughs) So this has just been uh, at least a little more accepted thing in the past maybe 15 years if I'm being nice. Right. You know, and now it, it it's feeling better, but it's, we got some work. We got still have a do. lot of work to do. Yeah. So. I, I think like in community, so having spent some time working in human services, um, having communities like Seneca Falls and Waterloo and, and Auburn, you know, we have often um, almost denied the problem because it is somewhat invisible to most people right it's not as evident as when you're on vacation in the bay area and you know everybody is in the streets um exactly like you said this could be people like doubling up in a house and that sort of thing so do you feel that you have to do a lot of work around the area of awareness to get the support from the community itself you definitely do um and again it's it's be part of it is because it's not as obvious, right? It's hard to prove to people who have no frame of reference, and that's not necessarily their fault. Mm-hmm. That's just not their life, and they don't right. see someone. So I'm sure Syracuse at first, before panhandling became a a, a real, real thing, thing all over the place, it's it, that's the same thing as anywhere. Mm-hmm. If you don't see it and you it's not part of your circle, then it doesn't exist. Why would you even think of it? Right. So it, so it really is you know service providers' responsibilities to just keep pushing it, keep pushing it. Because it's it's it just is real. Mm-hmm. It's up to the community how much you care about your actual whole community. Right. If you're going to step up and do something about it. Right. So, but it's got to start with us. Mm-hmm. If we're not telling everyone and proving to everyone that this thing exists, then it's not their fault they don't know. Yeah. So, so yeah, it is it is super important to get out there and do these things and to do it a little more outside of the, your own circle. Mm-hmm. I think of service providers themselves in the area. They've gotten they've gotten to a point where we get along. Yeah. Like the competition isn't seen as as competition for against each other. It's we all want to do a really good thing. So if somebody else got this grant that we both went for, you know, we wanted that, but our region got it. Right. You know, so right. let's figure Celebrate out how to coordinate that. this, you yeah. know. Um but what's what's that next step in getting the the community that in every other way has no no reason to come seek it out? But they probably would care. We've mm-hmm. seen that a lot recently. I have, anyways. Mm-hmm. That the more you talk about this, that's why I'm here. Right. Right. That's exactly <laughs> why I invited you. Right. Here. So yeah. it, it, this is the perfect kind of snowballing thing. Yeah. And it's at least a good time where I can actually share a lot of positive things about service providers in general and you know different funding sources. It's it's a decent time. But if yeah. we don't take this now and go and make sure everyone can hear about it, yeah. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. 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 So 
let's talk a little bit more about you know your role with the rescue mission so can you share a little bit more about what exactly it is that you do on a day-to-day basis because i know it changes it does yeah so any smaller region or smaller kind of program um like we're a bigger program for this region but comparatively no mm-hmm. to put it this way so rescue mission alliance we have uh three different regions um i have six staff total Mm-hmm. But we staff about 350 okay. as the alliance in the three regions. Gotcha. So I, I I hope we're making a big impact here, but it's with six people. Right. <laughs> so, um, so what I specifically do here, I mean, a general way, a general operation stuff, I got to keep us running. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we got... You know, we're either a combination of smart enough and lucky enough to get the grants. Right. <laughs> you know, and the need, unfortunately, is great enough where, you know, they believed us and, and they, you know, built this program with us. Um, but there's a lot that goes into making sure that that keeps happening. Yeah. So so I manage all of our, our grants um, and I do a lot of our donor relations things. And then a lot of our daily operations things, um, I got to make sure my people have what they need. So mm-hmm. if we're going to keep pushing this positive message and we really love the family sort of atmosphere of things, mm-hmm. um, we want to have me- our meetings with our clients on picnic tables. So right. we bought picnic tables. Right. We want it to be when someone walks by us, they're not scared to come talk to us. So there's a lot all, uh, myself and our whole team has to do to make that possible. Yes. So it doesn't feel like compliance. It feels like, no, I want to move forward and these guys are going to help me do that. Right. Um so it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that means. But right before I came here, I had this, I tried to not butt in too much on case management. I, I started in case management, so I'm always geared when I hear something I want to help and get it done. But that's not directly my role anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a, of a struggle for you me. to pull back a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to not have conversations. I'm just going to make sure that my, my workers are included in those conversations. Um but right before I came here, someone was just bawling because they had this issue and they struggle with addiction. Um, they, they have a lot of pretty extreme things that have happened over the last two years. And so I'm not going to not talk to her. Right. So we sat down for 15 minutes and tried to navigate some stuff and got her some phone numbers and at least offered myself or her direct case manager to make those calls with her. Mm-hmm. If you're uncomfortable, you're scared to do these things. That makes sense. Cause what you're talking about is all super scary. Right. So, and our existence there is to make it so you don't have to do that alone. Right. So if you want to, because that's empowering to you, here's the information, mm-hmm. but we're here to help you with that information. So, um, so that's a vague sort of thing. I mean, there's a lot of admin kind of boring stuff, but it's essential. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think the point really is just having to wear so many different hats, right? I sure. Mean, it's, um, it's, you know, negotiating the relationships with uh, the people you're serving, with the people who are working there, with the community at large, with the state of New York. So, um, yeah, I find, I find that that work is... I often talk about that there was like a childhood book I had, you know, the man, the man who had like 17 different hats and you're spending a lot of time kind of juggling, like what hat am I wearing in this moment? Right. Right. So, um, but it's good though. Here's the thing. I've had a lot of good supervisors, even if they were disconnected from, from the mission, um, like directly, you know, um, it's not that they didn't care. They just, they got so far away. 
mm-hmm. that it's it's hard because those those are the policymakers mm-hmm. and the stuff that the frontline workers have to actually carry out. And is that rooted in reality? Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been when they did things. So right. I try really hard. That's that that's a that's a balance I have to figure out all the time too. Like how do I not impede any progress that someone is is making with their case manager, but still have a good sense of reality? If I have to sit down and write our grants. Am I writing the right grants? Mm-hmm. Like you have, I, if you don't listen to your workers and you don't have contact, at least pay attention. Right. Like walk around your program, see how what people are struggling with. You can have a five minute conversation and and not take away from someone's job. Mm-hmm. So, but you got to pay attention to make sure you're doing that right. Right. But I I feel lucky that I do get to have that. Yeah. Um. Because like I said, I've had I've had supervisors. I think so. I think so. There's a lot yeah. of people that helped me and steered me in the right direction. And there's some people that I've had for supervisors that seem to take pride in getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So, but if you can take all those things and just know what you should or shouldn't do, then build that. Yeah. And then you can have you and your team build a program that's effective instead of acting like you are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and more so, I'm referring to the fact that you earned the, the trust and the relationship with your staff, right? And your people. Because... I mean, even just coming in the other day, yesterday, um, you know, to take a tour of the facility, it was very clear that you have a good working relationship Mm -hmm. with everybody there. Uh, There was no tension, no friction. um, And I think that's incredible. And it relates to something that I love to talk about, which is values. So um, I've shared a little bit of my story with you. You know, five years ago, I stepped away from... uh, you know, 10 year career in finance. And, um, and I really went on this journey of figuring out how to let go of living a life that looks good on the outside and embrace a life that feels good on the inside. And that's a constant evolution. But what's interesting is it parallels so much of what I learned when I was working on my master's degree in public administration. And it parallels some of the work I've done in the community, working with organizations and, I know, for example, you're working on, um, you know, rebranding and talking about mission and talking about values. So, you know, without doing all of that work here today, obviously we can't do that, right? But that'd be amazing if we could get this done. I know we could just turn it in. Um, I might get a promotion for that if we do. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we can start with this. This is one question I do have, which is, you know, off the top of your head, what are some of the deepest values you feel like the organization and your culture espouses? I mean, um, we're trying to come up with what words will resonate with any kind of faction in life, anybody mm-hmm. that wants to be involved with us. But integrity is 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 the core of it. But mm-hmm. figuring out what integrity is, because it's different to, to everybody. Be, yeah, it's different yeah. to everybody. So what would integrity be to the rescue mission that will attract people that has that same at least that part of set of values, mm-hmm. but we need everybody that has all sorts of values or we're going to fail. Right. Like if we have just, you know, a bunch of drones that subscribe to the sentence that we come up with, then that's not good. They right. got to be able to actually feel that before they get there. Right. Like that's why they're coming right. is because they could feel this way, but bring their own brand to what we're trying to project to the, you know, the world, mm-hmm. um, especially the region, but if it makes it to the world, great. Right. Um, but, there's a lot of programs who their their programs are great. Mm-hmm. They do something that needs to be done, you know, and it kind of stops there sometimes. I've worked for agencies like that that I felt like my coworkers and I and my supervisor, everybody like we felt like we got the job done, mm-hmm. but 
did what happened after that? Was there anything right. that you felt after that? Right. Did you want to take it another step further because we got this one thing done, but it shed a light on three more things, mm-hmm. but we don't have the funding or the support to, to go after those things. Mm-hmm. This agency is not that. And that's why I've been here this long and why in human services, I can't imagine going anywhere else unless we go a drastically different direction. I got a long time to work, unfortunately. So maybe that happens, but I've never worked for a place that has this mentality Mm -hmm. that within reason, do anything that it takes to get that person there. Mm -hmm. Because human services, you're not going to have those set answers in the one grant you got. That grant is going to help you serve the particular purpose you're doing. But if your grant has it so you can keep the lights on, that's great. What are you doing when the lights are on, though? Are you Mm -hmm. helping that person? Are you even Mm -hmm. listening to the people? Mm -hmm. Like, and every family comes with something different it doesn't matter if these three families all come from addiction those are three different humans that were inspired or torn down by all sorts of things throughout their life Mm -hmm. so listen to what they have to do but then what do you do with that information Mm -hmm. that's where i always kind of felt trapped before is you can get the information out of people but why did you do that Mm -hmm. like don't what is re- it actually going to allow you to do? Yeah, yeah. don't re-traumatize somebody if you're not going to help them. Right. Like, don't bring that stuff up if right. you don't if you don't even have a a guess of an answer of what you're supposed to do. So we we have that freedom and we have that support. So Auburn right now because we're newer is pretty heavily grant funded, uh, but Rescue Mission um, the Rescue Mission Alliance is less than ten percent grant funded. Mm-hmm. So we use those for the essential services we need, and they're great and they do help us. But everything else that comes up, that's all donors or our thrifty shoppers. Um, all of that money allows us to be flexible. Yes. Because street outreach is a different mentality and a completely different process, a different worker, a different conversation than you're ever going to have in a family program mm-hmm. that you're ever going to have in the warehouse if you work in our warehouse. Mm-hmm. Like So trying to attract people that are sorting the the clothing that are going into stores that, we, that programs needs people to buy, mm-hmm. we need to be able to relate to the warehouse workers, to the people who work in the stores, mm-hmm. to people who are working with addiction and the <laughs> finance right. and everybody. If we right. don't all feel that way, you're going to feel that up front. And this agency does it has never felt that way to me. Yeah. Like I've had the freedom to take that step forward and I've been able to pass that freedom now that, I, that I'm a manager to my workers. We don't have to be scared to try to do the right thing. Yeah. And if we fail, we have the freedom to try again. Mm-hmm. It's 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 liberating. In yeah. this business it's really liberating. It's really incredible. You know, so so what I'm hearing coming through, like I hear integrity. I have I hear the word freedom coming up a lot, which I want to talk about that for a second. Um, and you know, and there's obviously like this this deep respect for humanity, yeah. right? And and that is what allows people to really come together and truly look at the problem uh, and solve it. Whether it's housing, whether it's food, whether it's finding a job, whatever the next step is. Right. Um, until we were talking about this the other day, I think it was a Tony Robbins quote that I shared. You know, it's like you can't say goodbye to your problems until you say hello to them. Right. So, but you can't even say hello if you're not in the right atmosphere to have the conversation. So back to this thing about freedom and talking about funding, what I find, and this really got me, so this is is why I really wanted to talk to you. Okay. Okay, like this one piece of information. I'm I'm data-driven, I love numbers, (laughs) Um, but your partner who came to the presentation, I can't remember her name. Glenna. Okay, Glenna shared that I think it was overall in the entire region for rescue mission, 60% 
is funded by the thrifty shopper yep. is that correct yep. okay so that blew my mind so for those of you who are here locally and you're thinking like what can i do there's many things you can do you know you can get involved by volunteering and showing up and um, gary's going to talk more about that but in the meantime one of the greatest things you can do is right here in seneca falls and waterloo you can go shop at the thrifty shopper Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that money is going to these organizations. And I think it's such a brilliant model. We try to do something similar locally with um, our House of Concern, uh, which I shared with you yep. is one of those organizations that kind of catches catches all right. Uh, pantry, you know, clothing, household items, just help in all the different ways and, and forms that it can show up as a need. Uh, we had a little boutique in downtown Seneca Falls for a bit, but um, it didn't quite work for this situation in this model. But this is brilliant because it takes uh, the control away when it comes to the funding, which right. as you mentioned, you know, when it comes to grants, of course, everybody's grateful to get them. Right. But you have to operate within confines and constrictions. And here you get this freedom. Sure. Because you can right. combine it all. So that way, I, I, I just love that model. If you need a grant to start up because it's a giant chunk of stuff. It's over $6 million to open this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it's it's awesome that it's open, but the legwork and the proof you have to get before that someone's going to hand you $6 million, it makes sense. Go earn it. Mm -hmm. Go tell us this thing is here and prove that it's here. And mm -hmm. you got it. Mm -hmm. You know? So we got the money to build the thing, but what are we going to do with the thing? Mm -hmm. We're going to put people in there. We know that the need is there, but so what? Mm -hmm. Like everybody that is in our program right now has lived in an apartment before mm -hmm. and something happened where that didn't work. Mm -hmm. So we need to figure out what that is. Yeah. So that's where the limitations start coming in. Right. Like, what is it that happened? So if it's, it could be something, it could be something super simple. Sometimes it is super simple, at least the, the one cause. Mm -hmm. So you could start with that and then figure out why, you know, things kind of snowballed. Right. Sometimes it's seemingly endless. Yes. So every time something comes up if you have a responsible way that your agency acts and your and your employees act then you don't really have to question the motives when you're going forward and we have that flexibility why did you buy um, why did you buy this person a stethoscope that costs like fifty dollars mm -hmm. um because we want this is what they need to move forward right. and they finally got to the point where they felt like they had earned and deserved to have this job that they've been working for right. regardless of their network saying that they don't right and they're ready finally right. so i'm gonna go buy them a stethoscope right and then i'll figure out where to get the funding to pay that back yeah but we're gonna go do that yeah and then we'll talk about it later and and again we don't do this crazy irresponsibly but we're never gonna say no to that and as long as people shop at things like that, or if you can come and take a tour, we'll, our tours we do as respectfully as possible. We're not marching anybody through anybody's home. Mm -hmm. Just come check out a neighborhood. If someone wants to talk to you because you're in their neighborhood, then talk to them. Right. If they don't want to talk to you, just like any other neighborhood. We don't have to label it anything. If you're right. walking in around in a neighborhood that's not homeless, are you walking around going, hey, why do you live here? Right. You know, there's, there's, there's ways to make all of that stuff casual and normalized because it's just people. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing special about talking to anybody that's in our neighborhood that you can't do in Skinny Atlas or anywhere else. Right. Like, there are people walking around. Right, right. Well, and I think that's that spoke to my heart, too, which was, you know, your... Um, suggestion and statement to our group in Zanta just saying like you know you want to come uh, 
set up a blanket and read some books to a bunch of toddlers that are, you know, there, great. You know, you want to come in and you want to stock the shelves in the pantry, whatever it is. You know, there's there's room for people to just come in and be part of it without this sort of, um, you know, it's not like some big looming project, right? right. Or this, this very different thing from everyday life. It's, um, I think that the approach is just so approachable. Yeah, you don't have to and you shouldn't separate it. Um, we exist, so you're gonna you're coming into the neighborhood knowing that we're the rescue mission, but that shouldn't change how you act in a normal everyday life. Right. It, I'm hoping that anybody who shows up, it's because they're interested in in what we're doing. But again, we want people to come in because their views, their backgrounds are different than us. I told you, like we have six people, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have an okay amount of diversity they come from different backgrounds have different upbringings but we're not going to be able to address everything mm-hmm. every mindset every every trauma every success every whatever that comes up we need volunteers for that yeah we need them and we need people to act normally in that mm-hmm. you're just meeting someone just just like you met somebody somewhere else mm-hmm. so talk to them just like you met somebody somewhere else yeah it's <laughs> incredible so let me ask you where did your um drive to be in this field and this work come from you know tell us a little bit about your background and what led to so i don't talk about this i don't talk about this too much i'll i'll touch on it (laughs) i don't like giving a ton of details about this but um for myself it's it's a super personal reason Mm -hmm. um i i have a similar background to the people that we serve no situation is the same. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it if it on paper completely mirrors it, but I at least I, I have that frame of mind mm-hmm. where life doesn't have to doesn't have to help you at all. People mm-hmm. don't have to help you at all. Mm-hmm. So when someone does recognize that and whatever pay it forward means to you is what you should do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be right back to that person. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. whatever it means to you, mm-hmm. put something good into the world because whatever got you through there, whether it is homelessness, whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. a breakup, anything that is traumatic to you in your life, if somebody picked you up from that and you don't do something anywhere to pay that back to the universe, then I, I, my mindset is then you didn't deserve the thing that happened to you. Right. So bad things happen all the time, but so what? Like they, that's what happens to everybody too. Good things don't have to happen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. recognize it and keep doing it. Like yeah. Keep keep doing it. And there are people that, that stepped in, in in my life when I was a kid that did not have to do that. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to be in my life now, but mm-hmm. they did then and they are now. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that kind of sense of responsibility... I don't. I don't know what kind of person is that way. Yeah, it's. It would be hard for me to to wake up and be okay with myself every day. I wouldn't necessarily have to be in homeless services, but if I didn't always have that on my mind when yeah. you see something, uh, help. I don't know why. You, I don't know why you would be geared to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you do have to separate that. My situation wasn't the same as as someone else's, so I try to not bring that up when I'm speaking with um, clients or even donors, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's fine touching on it because, mm-hmm. again, life happens. Right. It just gives people the sense that, you know, you you have a, um, an investment, right, in, For sure. in the whole process. For sure. Um, and we didn't have this. I'll tell you that. When, when my situation was happening, it's been, I mean, it's over 20 years now, um, none of this existed. 
None right. of this existed. Right. I literally slept in parks. Mm-hmm. I slept in, it's actually not a park anymore either. I turned it into a street. Even took my park. <laughs> but uh, I, that's what I did. I slept in this this little playground thing that had an enclosure or on a bench if it was nice. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 homeless services. When you when you ignore that the problem is there, that that's homeless services. Right. It's eating the free samples at Wegmans. Yeah. Thank you, Wegmans, for the free samples. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and that's the thing. And just every time I think about the people that helped me in my path, um, whether it was counselors or the person who and that would, you know ended up becoming my foster parent, my foster mom, she didn't have to even notice that. Well, she did. Right. So my lesson with that is pay attention. Pay attention to everything. You don't have to act on everything. You got to schedule. You got to do things in your life. But pay attention. Mm-hmm. Like there's stuff around all the time that you can do something in. Right. So just do it and do it in the, the time that makes sense for you. But yeah. don't ignore it. I think you'll appreciate it. If you get a chance and anybody else who, you know, is is watching and listening, um, the story that I shared on Facebook today about a couple other podcast guests that were here before and that same kind of message about, um, you know, what our role is. There's a word, so I love words, right? Like I, I get crazy about words. Like you talk about integrity and the, all the meanings of integrity, but there's a word you touched on I want to talk about, which is responsibility. And that is a piece that often drives me in life because I take that word like really literally, sure. right? So it's our ability to respond, right? And so in my mind, it's like, if I have the ability to get out of bed every morning and put my two feet on the ground, then I have the responsibility to my community, to the world around me, to continue doing exactly what you talked about, which is paying it forward. Because similarly, there have been a lot of people who've stepped you know, into my life and on my path to support my overall well-being and success. Right. And, and so my life is about continuing to give that to the rest of the world and pay it forward in, in as many ways possible. But I want to thank you for sharing a little bit more about your story and being vulnerable because that's something I value as well. And, you know, the reality is everyone has a story. Sure. And how, and how we live them out and how we share them is pretty incredible. So back to your story, Gary. We'll take this to a whole different place now. So for everyone who's watching, um, hopefully you've spent some time learning a little bit more about the Auburn Rescue Mission and um, the uh, thrifty shopper that we can support to be able to um, give money to this organization that does such incredible work in our region. Um, But I love knowing a little bit more about the actual person who I'm bringing into the studio to share their work and share their passion in the world. And this is just a small fraction of who you are as a person, even though it's a huge part, there's always so many facets to who we are. And one of the things that intrigued me that I learned about you is you're really into music. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah, so what kind of music, you know, what do you do? Where did this love come from and how does it play out in your life? Music is getting more abstract as the older I get. <laughs> uh, my previous life before um, human services, so I was in a touring band for years. So, and we got lucky enough to get signed. To, we, we got lucky enough to get signed to an independent label that got bought out by a bigger label. So, awesome. um, and they retained us. Not everybody got retained. So we're like, okay, that's good. Um, 
so we got to do a lot of really cool things. So, I mean, one of the, some of the most proudest moments, like personally in my life, like to be on to have an actual video played. Like MTV's nothing now. I think it's just Kardashians or something now. But back then, it meant a little Imagine, bit, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Into music anyway, a little bit. Um, so to be able to to see that was crazy like to grow up on stuff like that and to see these like icons that shaped you so it doesn't put you in the same league but it puts you for a second right for that four minutes you're like oh man i'm that guy that's kind of cool yeah um doesn't pan out financially that way but pride sure yeah um music my path with music is is probably as personal as a lot of things so growing up i was actually not allowed to listen to music Hmm. um so that was always hard. I had this, the drive for me and the love I had for music, it had to be this strong for it to, to kind of survive in me. But I had to go to these lengths at, at one period of my life where, do you remember those little recorders? Like the tapes were like this yeah. big. So I had to wait until people were asleep. Powers that be. <laughs> um and when they went to sleep, I would turn the TV on to volume one and tape that and tape whatever was on and then hold that thing up to my ear. And that's how I listen to music. Wow. Because none of us were allowed to. So when I was finally allowed to, um, it just exploded in my life and kind of became like everything, or at least half of me mm-hmm. is part of everything. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's going to be music on pretty much everything that I do is going to have music involved in it. Yeah. So, so yeah. So when I was allowed to play it and allowed to listen to it and I could listen to whatever I wanted and be influenced by everything, I just let it happen. So I love funk as much as I love death metal, as much as I love electronic and classical, like that's great aside from country is hard for me but (laughs) at least newer country the old stuff i like the twangy stuff but but really i'm i want all that stuff to to filter through me Mm -hmm. i feel like if there's something that i write even if nobody really listens to it um and you can tell exactly where it came from i probably did it wrong Mm -hmm. so so my newer thing i'm trying to get way out there this time so it's like a concept record that also has a, a whole visual light show and a projection show that goes with it. And it's more 80s sci-fi themed sounding music okay, with a whole cohesive plot and a story that my friend and I wrote that goes along with it. So each song is a chapter. It's real, real nerdy, but I let myself get nerdy this time. So is there anything that we can share with our viewers that they could sample? Like, where would they find any of this? Sure. I mean, it's out kind of everywhere. Actually, I just put out a new video um, last Friday. So um, the group's called Empires in Orbit. Okay. Um, Everything, all the music is stuff that I wrote and recorded. But when we do it live, um, actually, the guy who recorded it really liked it thankfully Mm -hmm. so and he's a drummer so we do it different than it sounds on the record we change it up to make it sound i think a a little more interesting not as not as sci-fi sounding a little Mm -hmm. more intense i guess yeah um but we have um two videos out one's a little more theatrical the other one's more of what we look like live okay so but it's on spotify youtube awesome any of that stuff just the website if you want to so maybe what we'll do is uh, try to get a link to something like that in the in the today's episode notes. Cool, which would be great. Yeah, 
let our let our um, viewers watch that. So, um, and another another thing that I found interesting too uh, was a conversation we were having about uh, making the transition back from Syracuse to actually living in Auburn. Yeah, um, and I think it's great. I think the reasoning behind a lot of it is is incredible. So. Um, you know, for those of you who are watching, one of the things that Gary shared with me was, you know, being able to move back to Auburn and be able to live in the community that he's working in is, is where he can actually uh, be part of the landscape that makes decisions about the things going on in his community, right? It's, it's sometimes hard when we live a commuter lifestyle um, and our communities are separate from where we're actually living and doing life. So... I wanted to tie that back to something that is really near and dear to my heart right now. And um, before I do that, I want to thank you so much for being in the studio today because it's you know been such a great conversation. Um, I think you're an incredible human being. I love the work that you're doing in this world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and um, and so glad that you'll be back in Auburn because you can actually support some of the work that's going on there that, like I said, is near and dear to my heart. So recently, several different um, graduates and also other candidates from uh, an organization that I was, um, I took a leadership course with. So it's Women Elect PACT, Political Action Committee. Um, and some of those women who actually have been guests on this show, Heidi Nightingale, Gwen Weber McLeod, one of my favorite human beings on this planet, um, they are both running for county legislature. Awesome. In Auburn, right? And so there's there's a big movement to kind of shake things up a little bit, and you know, and to really represent the community. And I'm so excited for them. I'm proud of them. I'm also proud of the community for supporting. Um, this continued change today is uh, is primary day, right? So I know um, Heidi is in District 10. So you know, one thing I want to say to everybody is, if you're listening and you're out in that community, get out there and you know let what you want to happen in your community be known by supporting the people who are actually going to do the work. So. I, we won't get any further into politics than that because I think it's great when we're talking in the world of human services to kind of stay uh, really focused on the values and the mission of the work that you do. So again, thank you. Um, I want to thank Frank Lakes One for having us here today, having this great conversation, and I want to wish all of you a wonderful day, and we'll see you again next month. Thank you.